Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 148 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson. I have Kurt Mortensen here with me. Kurt, how's it going? Hey, it's been a great week enjoying the summertime, but I did have a wild experience. You want to hear what happened to me this week? Yeah, 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 of course. Am <laughs> I going to say no? And you're just going to say, oh, you, never mind. Well, yeah, you've been known to say no. That's why I have to ask. Right? You just kind of totally mute me out, but... I was sitting in my home office doing some work, and I hear this commotion outside. I see a police officer, another police officer, another police officer. Five police officers all opening their trunks, pulling out their guns. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's always a good sign, especially with things that are happening in the news and the media. And they run into my side yard, into my neighbor's side yard. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And, and it probably wasn't smart. I probably should have just got under my desk. But I went to go see what was going on. <laughs> Why do people have guns in my yard? Yeah. I looked out my front window, I saw animal control pull out a, a rifle out of their trunk, and they come running to a tree. It's kind of between my neighbor and my house, and I'm looking, I'm seeing some movement, and we kind of live up on a bench, and we see plenty of deer, occasional mountain lion or cougar, snakes every now and then, and so I'm thinking, hey, this is a mountain lion, and so the little movement, I look it closer, and it's black, and I'm like, I don't think we have black mountain lions. It was a bear. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bear in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it. It was a younger bear. I, they estimated later it was about two years old. The mother had just sent it on its own, so it was looking for food. And so the bear saw all these people, and it just started coming down, and they're like, bam! <laughs> they shot the thing with a tranquilizer, and it goes, Dunk! it collapses into the tree. And I'm like, well, that was kind of mean, but I guess they had to relocate it. So made the news. I guess I'm world famous now because there was a bear in my yard. They uh, successfully relocated it up into a canyon further up. But just had to share that. That's not something that happens every week. Maybe every other week, but not every That's kind of crazy. That's, and, you know, that seems cruel, but that bear, it's not going to be good for that bear wandering around the city looking for food. <laughs> he needs to no, get reset they, uh, and go back up in the mountains. They let all the neighbor kids pet it oh. <laughs> while it was out. While it was out. But it is. It did seem kind of cruel. I thought that, too. But if it gets a taste of going through trash cans and, Getting or being around humans, it causes a lot of challenges. So they they're in a real rush to get it out, so it doesn't have those experiences. Get it far away because once it gets used to being around humans and going through trash cans, then a lot of challenges can happen. Yeah, yeah, you hear about that all the time, especially up in Yellowstone and places like that, where people feed the bears and ugh. or put the baby bison in their car because they think it's cold. Yeah, <laughs> did you hear about that? Yeah, one? and the bison died. Come yeah. on, guys. Yeah, no frontal lobe, not thinking it through. I'm just thinking, and whose brain does that sound okay to put a baby bison in your car? I know, seriously. <laughs> uh. Let's put a baby bear in your car and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we know so much better than that than to put buffalo in our car. <laughs> yeah, trunk maybe, but come on, back seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad they got the bear out of your yard. Yeah, it was interesting. A lot of commotion. It made my day. It was a cool-looking little bear, and it was... Yeah, it was two years old. It was bigger than I thought when it came down. But, hey, it was better than a burglar with a gun or what we initially thought. When, when police are running with guns in your yard, a lot of things go through your brain. So, yeah. luckily, it was only a bear. Yeah, that's right. I didn't think I was going to say this to you this morning, that, hey, I'm glad they got the bear out of your yard. 
Yeah. Didn't expect that. <laughs> it's out. So I checked out another animal found in my yard. <laughs> well, I asked you how you were doing, and you told me. That's for sure. I, I did. Glad <laughs> to hear it. <laughs> and everybody, welcome back. We've had a few guest interviews happening lately, and Kurt and I also took the 4th of July off and did a charisma replay from one of the podcasts that we've got a lot of positive feedback on. So welcome back uh, officially, and we're doing a good old school show of Maximize Your Influence today. Want to remind everybody, shameless plug moment, go to universityofpersuasion.com. If you'd like to become a better persuader, it's going to take conscious effort to do so. You're not going to just magically become one. As good as our podcast is, right, you can go there a lot faster if you subscribe to universityofpersuasion.com. A lot of great tips that come your way every single day that make you be a conscious persuader that's going to do a lot better job. So more tools in the toolbox. I did it. I've been adding, for those that are a silver membership, I've been adding Persuasion Tool of the Week. It's a four to five minute video clip, quick tool. Here's the study. This is how you use it and how to apply it. It's very simple. So look for that new content. We've been posting that every week. I promise this has a point related to what we're talking about, but I, I had a chat with my wife last night about, hey, I need to get my workout schedule back on par here because I have a trainer and I've been going to see the trainer once a week and he just destroys me. I can barely walk out of the gym and I've only been going once a week and life has been too busy and I didn't really do any other heavy workouts the rest of the week. So that whole session with the trainer was completely useless. All I was doing was causing myself pain. And that's a lot of times how we treat persuasion, right? You listen to the podcast once a week, you read a book every now and then. That was good, but if there's no habit, if there's no regularity to it, it doesn't change you. So if you're really serious about being changed, you got to go to universitypersuasion.com. That's right. Two ways to double your income. Work twice as hard or double your persuasion skills. There you go. That's a... There you go. I like the second one. So. That's right. Work hard. Make twice as many calls. That's right. Buy twice as many leads. Go for it. Or you can take our route. Just get more tools. Yeah. Persuade. Double your close rates. That's simple. Just be better at it. Yeah. Just be better. No problem. So other reminders, follow us on Twitter. Influence Max is the Twitter handle. You can like us on Facebook and maximize your influence. And also subscribe to the show. We've got an RSS feed through iTunes. Just go to iTunes and punch in maximize your influence. I believe you can do the same thing on the Windows Marketplace, Stitcher Radio 2. We're getting more and more technical over here. We're not sure what it means, but we're definitely doing it. We can say a lot of big words. We don't know what they mean, but we feel pretty smart. That's right. That's right. As long as we feel that way. Yeah. You feel smart, you are smart. That's how it works. Come on. Kind of true. Read the study. Kind of true. If you feel confident, if you feel smart, you might be able to fool a lot of people into thinking you actually are. Well, actually, the study I just read said that when you feel influential, you are more influential. So there's a lot to that. Yeah. yeah there you go. So you and I were chatting in the show prep that we do occasionally mm -hmm. about negotiation. And I was telling you, a challenge that I've been having. I'm starting to get around it, but I've mentioned this on the show to our listeners many times. Most of my time is spent in real estate. And right now, our brokerage is selling a lot of new construction investment properties. We build these triplexes and fourplexes, and we put tenants in them and manage them, and people buy these from us to have investment cash flow. And the funny thing is, is in our market here, there's just not a lot of land. There's not a lot of inventory available, and we're doing new construction. So on our product, the price is the price, <laughs> okay? Nothing anyone can say can change that unless they're going to come buy 50 units from us or something. Yet, 
everybody wants to negotiate, right? They, they get some mental satisfaction out of negotiating and feeling like they got us to give a little, but we're not. And I think this has been costing deals. And I've started to negotiate on other outside ancillary items. And so you and I started talking about this. That, hey, you know what? Negotiation's a game. And even if it might seem silly to you, your prospects want to play the game. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. And that's an important piece because a lot of personalities say, no, I'm not going to play the game. Just give me your best price. And when they confront someone who's ready to play the game, they've got their gloves on. They told their spouse or their partner that they're great negotiators. They're going to get the best deal ever. And they come in and you're not willing to play the game. You're going to lose. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that simple. You have to understand if they are there to play the game, you've got to play the game. And that hurts a lot of negotiations because expectations aren't met. And, of course, we've talked about on the show before that frustration comes from unmet expectations. And that frustration can lead to anger, which can lead to remorse, which can lead to dissonance, which is a downward spiral for you. You have to realize that in a lot of situations, especially real estate and car buying and a few other situations, they're expecting to negotiate. And they're coming. They're ready. And they're, they want to get the best deal ever. And they're going to back you in a corner. And, and if you do not let them do that, it will hurt expectations, increase frustration, and you aren't going to get the deal. What if you just don't want to do it? I mean, how do you get yourself mentally ready to, to play a game that you think is stupid? <laughs> you have to. You either deal with the personalities that don't want to play the game, or if you want to expand your market, you've got to deal with both sides. Some don't want to play the game, and you can use that with the personality. And Okay, yeah, here's the bottom line. We're not going to dink around. We're not playing any games. This is what everybody pays, and a lot of people think that's refreshing. Mm -hmm. right? So you can make sales that way. You can negotiate that way. But for the other half that want to play the game that come, we'll say, loaded for bear. Can I say that on this show? Right? <laughs> if you can't say it on this show, when can you say it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're loaded for bear, ready to go. You've got to play the game. Otherwise, you're not going to get the sale and negotiation. It's not going to happen because you've destroyed their expectations. They don't think that you're maybe honest or trustworthy or getting a good deal, that you're not playing along or they're going to have remorse. You should broaden your horizons and deal with both sides because it'll make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what would tip you off? I mean, if you're in the chair, what are some of the things that are going to alert you to the fact that, hey, this person appreciates no gain? Just, hey, this is it. Everybody pays this. You're not getting a better price than anybody, but you're not getting a worse price than anybody versus the guy that says, hey, come on, make me a deal. I know you can. Well, in previous episodes, we've talked about meta programs and Here's another plug. You can look those all up for free, actually, on universitypersuasion.com. That was a great shameless plug. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Anyway, a meta program is kind of how we see the world. Some people tend to be very assertive, which it's all about getting the best deal, and relationships are second. And there's amiable people who it's all about the relationship and the, the deal second. And so that's kind of where you can draw the line. Those that are assertive, they're trying to take control, they're asking the questions, they're trying to show you how much knowledge they have and how much they know, and you can get a feel that. They're there to play the game versus the assertive person is going to want to know about you and the relationship and develop trust. When you notice a difference there, that's where I'd take the veer to, okay, let's play the game assertive. Give them a few things that they can win about. Let them win a few victories versus the assertive is, hey, you know, you're a good person. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's just cut to the chase. I don't want to play any games with you. Here's the price that I offer everyone. We really know negotiation here. I just want to give you this is the best price. This is the best we can do. And to the amiable type personality, that makes a big difference. Mm. So the negotiation itself, 
is a game to these people that want to play it. And I don't know if there's a better way to phrase this, but what are some of the games within the game, right, that people are going to try to play? Well, what that we all see, people are going to start really high or really low. Everyone knows that technique. And that's what's important to understand with the negotiation that a lot of negotiation training will teach you never make the first offer. Never make the first offer. Let them go first. But it's interesting. The studies do show that the person that makes the first offer gets a better deal. And that's interesting. Now, if you haven't done any research, you don't want to make the first offer. But making the first offer does two things. And this is based on quite a few studies. Builds trust because you're willing to go first. Number two, you've set the benchmark or the starting point to the negotiation. And statistically, you're going to get better terms. You got to decide how high or how low you wanted to go. And that gets you better terms. And that's what they want to play that game. That's why if they're expected to play the game and you start with your, that's the final offer, you got to be careful that, They're going to want to negotiate it, but you've already given them the number, and there's no room to negotiate. So you have to be careful, especially with your assertive type negotiators. Mm. Mm. So what if you don't have a game to play? Oh, there's always a game to play. (laughs) (laughs) Always a game to play. Now, you mentioned there's no room to go anywhere else, right? The The number's the number. And that might be true if you're selling a suit, for example. The suit's the suit. But there's shoes, there's ties, there's socks, there's other things that maybe you can include that maybe that you can discount, other concessions that maybe you don't care about that you can slowly give away. That's why it's always important to find what I call nothing concessions, things you don't care about. In real estate, you don't say, well, here's the house with the cabinets in the garage and we'll give you the piano and we'll give you the playset. No, 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 that's separate. Here's the house, here's the price. But you know what? We've got these cabinets in the garage that we can let you have, and they're worth $1,000. And this piano's worth $2,000. We're going to include that. And the playset's worth. And so things you didn't want anyway, all of a sudden they think they're winning the game for concessions that you really didn't care about. But you got to be careful. You don't throw them in or include them all up front because then it gives you no room to negotiate or to have concessions to where they think they're winning the game. And I think that's what the prospect believes that you're doing anyway, right? Even if you're not, they think, oh, yeah, you told me the price was the price, but it's not. He's coming at me like that to start. We've discovered a thing on our end that one thing that happens is if clients use our preferred lender, then we'll give them free appliances for all their units. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain dollar amount to that. I've learned that it's really good to save that for later, right? And bring that up later because then, oh, okay, I got something. And I think that's what you had alluded to earlier is that there are things that you don't care about that you can do anyways but you have to strategically introduce them at the right time because then you are playing a game, even though it never was one. Yeah. Adjust the number up front. There's other things as far as time or warranty or including appliances like you mentioned or adding other things or those nothing concessions you don't care about. There's always something to negotiate or add or include or adjust or move or changing the move-in date or a free pair of socks or a tie or the personal service from you, those are some things that you can take a look at before the negotiation that will help with the game. Right, right. Okay, so that's one thing that people who want to play the game do, or or as we say, the game within the game. (laughs) What are other Mm -hmm. games that they're going to try to play if they want to do this? Well, it's part of the game that you have to be aware of that could really hurt your ability to win the game is accepting the first offer too fast. So if you're this type of person that doesn't want to play the game and somebody comes in and says, hey, how about $100,000? <laughs> and you say, okay, that's fair. You are going to screw with their brain. They are going to have remorse 
even though it's a win-win situation for both parties, if you accept the offer too fast, you're going to get a phone call and they're going to back out because something was wrong. That was too easy. I won too fast. What's going on? I could have got a better deal. You're messing with their brain. So even though it's a win-win for both parties and it's the first offer, you've got to negotiate. They want to play the game. You need to, well, I don't know. What about this? Let's look at this and do this. Then it changes everything. Yeah. And just another thing, too, that kind of people tend to blow during the game is they come out with that number like, well, how about $100,000? That's not a good number. It's not a persuasive number. It's not a believable number. It sounds like you pulled it out of the air. We have found that odd numbers are more persuasive than even numbers. Even if you said $107,463 is more persuasive than $100,000. And what's funny, when it ends in the number seven, it's the most persuasive. It used to be nine. Now it's seven. So if you can take a look at a few of these tools and add those to your negotiation toolbox, it'll make a big difference in your ability to win the game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. What else should we think about on games within the game? The other one's what I call the dirty deeds. Those dark psychological tricks that people are going to play on you. You've got to be aware of those. We don't have time to go into those. But you have to realize that some people have been to negotiation training and they're going to try these techniques. They're going to throw you off your game and they're going to have you backpedaling. You have to be aware of them. I don't want you to use them. You know, that's not the right thing to do. But there are people out there that they just want to win. Because I know you play games with family and friends and they're cheaters. They're hiding cards or doing different things. And the same thing's true with negotiating. There's cheaters out there. They'll do anything to win. And the main thing to tell you right up front is just don't let it get to you. Be aware that they're cheating. Make that mental note. And that is the best thing to do is just let them know it's not getting to you. It's not phasing you because they want a reaction. They're teasing you. They're heckling you. Don't let the dirty deeds let you lose the game. If you don't know what the dirty deeds are, I can just redirect the listeners here. Back on episode 95, Dirty Deeds, which we've been known to say are done dirt cheap before, mm -hmm. right? So if you're not aware of what the dirty deeds are or you need a refresher on the house, just go to universityofpersuasion.com. There's a free membership. You can just subscribe to that free membership. We don't even bomb you with a bunch of spam to get you to give us money either. It really is a legitimate free membership with lots of great stuff. So log in there and go back to episode 95 of the Maximize Your Influence podcast. And on that episode, we highlight the dirty deeds and talk through quite a few of them. Again, not to use them, but to be aware of them. Because when you can see them coming, that helps you win the game of negotiation. Yeah, they're designed to get you emotional. And when you're emotional in the negotiation, you do dumb things. So yeah. if you know what the other side's doing, it's just going to help you not become emotional. So Yeah, don't do dumb things. That's our advice. Yeah, for yeah. I mean, come on. Just don't, <laughs> come don't on. do stupid no stuff. No more dumb things. Yeah. Quit losing money. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'll post a great link from The Office on that phrase on the blog. That'll be fun. So. <laughs> you can never go wrong with a clip from The you Office. You cannot go wrong. So, <laughs> All right, great. So, Kurt, I need you to do what you do best, and that's to hit the Urkel button. Oh, Urkel, go. <laughs> a little bit out of order today, but, you know, as we've had the 4th of July, a lot of holidays, maybe you don't feel like you're really in control of what you're eating. I know many times I don't. And apparently, we're not totally in control of what we're eating. Is that right, Kurt? That's true. We've talked about food and persuasion before. And timely during the summer when you have a lot of parties and eat a lot, but you still have to be in a swimsuit. But <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that another time. But studies from the University of Copenhagen and Cornell University 
do a little research, figure out what's going on. Because we've always known food placement and a few other things that made a big difference. And they just found that forces are at work that sway our decisions as far as what we're eating. Just the order of the food, the color of the food. And they called it, what's interesting, they called it food nudging. They kind of nudge you in a different direction. And, and they're trying to do research to nudge us and to be healthier. Mm. And they are trying to figure out ways to do that. And again, it could be the placement of food in the cafeteria line or placement of items at a checkout register. Those type of things make a big difference. And so they found in a study at a supermarket that they put big green arrows on the ground. They painted them on the floor and it increased traffic to the produce section. More people bought produce just by doing that. Mm. So they kept going and they looked at 18 different studies to find out a few things, and especially in the grocery industry, and that small changes here and there could get us to buy healthier foods. I'll just share one of the studies they did with protein bars. And they put these protein bars in the uh, dessert section, right? Brownie, protein bar. Mm -hmm. Now, usually that's an easy decision, uh, brownie, <laughs> but probably not the best decision for your health. And what they did is they placed these bars at the start of the dessert line. So the clients would see them first. And get this, increased sales by 46%. Just by having them first. It was the first thing they saw. Then the second thing they did, they kept the bars in their original packaging instead of repackaging the individually wrapped bars in clear plastic wrap. And that increased the selection by 59%. I thought that was fascinating. Probably because a protein bar in clear plastic wrap does not look that appetizing next to a brown. No, <laughs> man. Not even close. So keeping the wrapper on was more appealing than actually seeing the thing you're going to eat. <laughs> Once you've bought it, it's okay to eat it. But getting next to a brownie, into a donut, or a pie, yeah, yeah. it's not too appetizing to see a protein bar that looks like repackaged dirt to sugarcoat it. <laughs> and it tastes worse than repackaged dirt. Yeah. So you'll deal with that later because you've already made the commitment to be healthy yeah. and you're going to eat it anyway. But right up front, it's not a good thing. So, hey, everything matters from food to placement to colors to packaging. We've talked about subconscious triggers and persuasion. It matters. I thought that was an interesting take because we've been talking about food. And this article is very fascinating to help us understand human nature and why we do what we do. I think it was Brian Tracy that said that prospects don't like to be sold. They like to make an intelligent buying decision. And they at least need to feel like that's what they're doing. But there's no way for a prospect to logically evaluate all the options. There's not enough time. They can't do it. So they need to be told what to do. And a little bit of arrows painted on the ground, a little bit of guidance the right way, makes them still feel like they're getting that experience. And to a large degree, they are. But they need to be helped to make a decision. Because if it's just left to them and logic, they never do it. It is, and that's so true. We have so many choices, and we have to make these quick decisions. There's people in line, people waiting. What do I choose for dessert? And we don't think about what's happening, but it's those feelings, those subconscious triggers, those emotions. It's a shortcut, and it doesn't work 100% of the time. We know that, but it's helpful, and we use it most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Kurt, you need to queue up the Blinja. Oh, Blinja. Don't, don't, don't. We haven't had that sound in a while, a little combination of Blunder and Ninja. I like it. I know, and we all know you just love to punch those buttons. It gives you a chance to hit mm -hmm. two of them. It's probably total mayhem on the listener's ears to hear all those <laughs> things together. <laughs> so this is you. I, you told me a little bit about this one. I think it's pretty good. It hits on a couple pet peeves of mine, but uh, I guess you had a rough time with a, a hotel check-in clerk. Yeah, we were traveling the way to Oregon Coast. I think we talked a little bit about that. And uh, going to a town, and hey, 
let's hotwire it. Let's find a hotel, spend the night. That's kids with me and uh, found a great deal. And it, of course, with hotwire, they don't tell you till the very last second to where it's going to be. And it was a red lion, which I hadn't stated in a long time. I think they're mostly on the West Coast. I've seen a lot in California. And I get up there and I want to check in and I need a two queen beds. And he's like, well, no, you're hotwire. We only, you can only give you a, I think it was a double bed in a small little room. I'm like, I mean, there was nobody here. This was a July 4th. I think it was July 4th, actually. There was no one around. The restaurant was empty. The lobby was empty. The parking lot was empty. Obviously, why they do hotwire. And if you've ever done hotwire, you get a little disdain when you get checked and you're like, oh, you're hotwire. Yeah. You get the stained room and the burns on the carpet because you're hotwire. And I don't know if that's true 100% of the time, but that's kind of how I felt with Hotwire. And he's like, no, you can't. And I said, I mean, you've got plenty of rooms. Just upgrade us. And it always works. People don't care because they have plenty of rooms. There's no skin off their back. And he wouldn't do it. He got more aggressive. I'm like, come on, just change. I know you can do it. I can't. I can't. And he burrowed in and he put his claws in. He's not going to change it. And so I walked out scratching my head. That's always worked. And so I sent in my wife. She knows all the persuasion negotiation tools and she comes back smiling holding the keys with a upgraded room with two queen beds <laughs> and a kitchen <laughs> <laughs> I'm like wait a minute i'm the persuasion expert here what's going on are you though she's like i know am i i guess i'm the blunder here because i assumed what always worked in the past was going to work here i didn't ask enough questions which is a huge blunder i assumed this has worked 30 times before I didn't connect. I didn't ask the right question. She just found out that he had only been there a week. He had been trained only so much. He didn't want to bother his manager. He didn't want to get fired. He had to have this job. And she just smiled and connected and and talked to him and got to talk to the manager. And the manager, of course, oh, yeah, we can do that and got the upgrade. And so the blunder is me for assuming, right, Mm -hmm. because it's worked so many times. And not asking the right questions and finding out where the resistance was coming from. And the ninja goes to my wife because a lot of times, and this, so here's a lesson here, is when you're in a negotiation and you get a little resistance and you're not sure why, a lot of times it's good to send in somebody else with a fresh new perspective, with maybe some different tools that can make a huge difference in negotiation. Because a lot of times our ego's involved. We're going to win this. We're going to win this. Sometimes you got to say, you know what? I'm at a roadblock. We're not connecting. I'm getting resistance. Why don't you go in and see what you can do? Can be the simple thing to win the negotiation game. Yeah, that is a version of good cop, bad cop. It is in a lot of ways to where the good cop, bad cop, but then different styles, different personalities sometimes just makes a world of difference because yeah. they haven't dug in their claws for the second person they have for you, right? They're gonna not going to change. They're not going to change, but someone else taking a different route, different direction, Asking a different question can make a big difference. That's right. And I'd like to nominate a third blunder out of your story. I'd like to nominate the hotel. Every hotel (laughs) on the planet that makes you feel like a dirtbag for using Hotwire. I would think that by now, these hotels, they need Hotwire. That's how they get rid of these rooms. The one that they just got the crime scene tape off of, you know, that's they got to have somebody (laughs) rent that room. So uh, they do. They almost universally make you feel like you're below the average customer. And hey, if you look at it from a revenue standpoint, you are. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're worth less as a customer, but it's just not a good idea. I actually consciously avoid Hotwire now because I don't like yeah. being treated that way. So They do treat uh, that way. I and I haven't used it in a long time, but it's 
okay, well, you don't get points, and you don't get the free meal, and we're not going to smile at you, mm -hmm. and you can't use the pool. You're like, wait a minute. I paid for this. You wanted my money. Mm -hmm. You should at least treat me decently because it's a great service sometimes, especially if you're not sure where to stay. It tells you, here's some hotels. It's three-star. It's simple. It's quick. It's easy. So there's a time and place for it, but yeah, you're right. That's, it could be a huge blunder. There it is. There's two blunders and a ninja out of that one, so that was pretty good. A great story, and, and I actually know Kurt's wife. I can totally see her going in there and just working it. And <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't leave with the penthouse in that place. But yeah. <laughs> we got the upgrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's pretty good. That's a great story, Kurt, and that's going to be it for episode 148 of Maximize Your Influence. We appreciate everybody listening. Once again, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Influence Max, and we will catch you next week on another episode. Take care, negotiate with power, and we'll talk to you next week.